0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Five one double five one is our text number. If you want to leave a WhatsApp voice message, it's 87 1843709. Peter, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are we? Good. It's a, it's a difficult situation you're in, you and your family, and especially your brother. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very sad and worrying time. Um, well, what is the situation with him? Well, at the moment, unfortunately, my brother was, um, well, he is rather um, addicted to benzos. Um, and he's doing as a family, all of us are doing everything we can in our power to try and get the help that is needed for a mm. detox program for him. Um, yeah, like we were after being yeah, to hospitals, ahead. we're after being to hospitals, mental health, um, A&E, substance misuse programs, and we're basically finding out that nobody is linked in together and nobody wants to take accountability to help and help with a detox. Now, benzodiazepines, there, there was a, an epidemic of it. Uh, well, from what you're saying, it's back again. Um, they're, they're a depressant, but they slow people down. They make people feel more relaxed. They make people feel uh, calmer, but they are uh, addictive. Um, do you know how long he's been using benzos, as everyone calls them? Yeah, he. Um, the last couple of months, he got some bad news a couple of months ago, and he basically went to the GP and they prescribed him some just to kind of get through the moment and time mm. that he had. And he just started to kind of depend on them then again. Um, years ago, he had a, the same kind of thing and he got a detox program off his GP and he went clean for 11 months, went mm. to rehab for six months and he was clean ever since. And it was just unfortunate that some bad news came his way and he had a slip up. And the effect it has on him? Oh, Immense, immense. It's meant. It's sad. It's very sad to see somebody go through it. It really is. And what do you mean? Is he sleeping? Is he uh, overactive? How does he react to the benzos? Um, more sleepy, dribbly, stuttering, yeah. st- um, slurred, yeah, yeah. Um, off balance. Like th- the effects that these have on people is just unbelievable. It's rampant throughout the country, for sure. And Anthony, who is, is obviously not his real name or indeed your real name, Peter, um, Anthony was talking to one of our producers to say, he says, I'm lucky, I'm lucky to be alive today. It's day to day with me. I feel like a fraud when I go to uh, Narcotics Anonymous meetings because I'm not sober, but it helps to not feel alone in this. Uh, I'm blessed with the family that I have and I don't have the strength to deal with this on my own. And um, he had an awful incident yeah. yesterday, apparently, as well. He did, he, he did. Um, yesterday, I gave him a call. I, I only live not far away from him, so I gave him okay. a call and I noticed that his words were a lot more slurrier and his breathing was very shallow. So, obviously, we went straight up and he was just wasn't responding. I had to get an ambulance okay. and he took an overdose by... When I mean an overdose, he didn't take it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It was it was rather just to, if he takes no tablets coming from a high dose, he will have fits and what have you. So it was it was tough. Um, and how did he? How he fared? Okay, thankfully, he was taken to hospital. Yeah. Is he back home? He's back home resting now. Yeah, he's at home. He's um. Yeah, he's very shook after, to be honest. And this is this isn't the first time. This happened on the third of October as well, where he the same very thing went to hospital, and within the hospital, then they just refer you back to um, a substance misuse centre. And because it's not a mental health issue, as in where he mm-hmm. tried to take his life as an overdose, yeah. it's not seen as a psychologist kind of a thing, you know, or any mental health. So when he's referred back to the ICO centre, they will try and put a programme in place with his GP and and that way they can give a detox to him. But the problem we have is the GP 
doesn't want to um, participate in the detox because he had one years ago. Yeah. And because he had one, they won't give him another one. And I mean, that's a good few years ago. Um, when, so where when, did he turn to? Yeah, when he had, when, when he, but you said he managed to stay stay well for, what, 11 months, was it? Um, he Yeah, he'd done the detox program with his GP at the time. He stayed clean for 11 months, waiting to get into rehab. And he completed rehab. He came out and, I mean... Joe is like light and day. The difference is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like the rehab works so well for him, and I mean, like he's a very fit, active young man who, like, six o'clock in the morning, cycling to work, going to gyms, going mm. swimming, helping other people who had addictions, yeah, yeah. and he, he just slipped up. That's all it was. And the effect on your 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 wider family. Massive. Yeah, because look, you're worrying, you're calling in and out, you're t- watching what he's doing. It's it literally is a twenty four seven care. That's what you're doing. Parents, are, are your parents still with us? Yeah, yeah. they're there. Yeah, and they're look, Joe. They're older. They're that, yeah, but I can't imagine the worry. Yeah. Um, so, so Peter, but, what what would what would you like to see happen yourself and Anthony? Well, first, like. I'm a found mind, okay? I have, I am very intelligent. I understand and how to help him get help. So the problem I have is the services are not linked in together. You will be passed from pillar to post. They do not link to each other to mm. communicate to each other. To There's just none of it. It's They will pass you on to other people and not follow up on anything. That is one thing I would love to see changed in this country, to have things linked in together because everything... It just seems it's all disjointed. That's how I feel. Well, um, even yesterday, I, even yesterday, when Anthony uh, overdosed accidentally, um, and he's yeah. now out of hospital, do you have in mind a, a have you anywhere to go? Have you, is there a first port of call for you to say, listen, he's he's a, he's in terrible difficulties? Have you have you any idea where you should go first, or is it just confusion with no joint? Yeah, exactly. There's no giant up. Like you, you could look through my phone. I've well over made a hundred phone calls to public health nurses, to drug misuse centres, to primary care centres, to doctors, to pharmacies, to hospitals, and it, it's the same thing. They just want to pass the book. There's, it, like I even the drugs.ie website called them. There's just you're lost. Like. You could imagine being somebody who mm-hmm. is dependent on, on drugs or any sort of addiction, trying to get through this on their own. It's impossible. I am tired from it. Our family is tired from it. So you could imagine some person with no family would be distraught doing it. A hundred, you say you've a hundred different contacts. You've made a hundred, well, you've made maybe numerous calls to the same and, and to no avail. Yeah. To no avail. No, no, no. What it comes down to is the GP does not want to take on the detox program for him and basically to get better. And But also, I was able to get a, a referral from the GP to say that he needed a detox program in a detox treatment centre. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's and, just, obviously, and what about changing GP? I've tried it. I've asked okay. for the letters from the GP to... to provide me with a statement to say that they cannot help with the detox program so I can bring it to another yeah, GP yeah, and another yeah, yeah. and they've said no we will not give out written letters just like that okay and just I don't want the, the exact location obviously is he in the Dublin yeah. area or city area no south of the country south okay now just I'm thinking if there was yeah. another GP I don't know Waterford Cork Wexford anywhere that, that would be willing to, to assist um, I, yeah, yeah it'd, it'd be is it'd be you say the south. Are we talking Cork? Yeah, Monster down that okay. area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Noel, good afternoon. Joe at rt.ie five one double five one is the text number. If you've any ideas on how to have uh, Peter, Anthony, and his family, which which you would be doing, uh, to try and get into a detox program for uh, benzodiazepine, um, which are which are very prevalent and very addictive now. The the argument, and I know they've changed the the ingredients of it slightly. The argument is that you can't, you won't die from uh, benzos, 
But um, you will die from something you do when you're on an overdose of benzos, like fall under a bus or a car or a river. And Noel, good afternoon. Hey, Joe. How, How are you? you? You good, thanks. How are you? You had you had an addiction to prescription drugs, and you're you're I, you're listening to Peter. What do you think of his predicament? I'm totally heartbroken, to be honest, and uh, my, I feel so sorry for him because um, I was in a very similar situation eight years ago where I was exactly like Anthony. I was just living from day to day, hour to hour. I was totally consumed and it just destroyed my life. Um, my whole life was was total, was consumed by getting this medication, doing what I needed to do to, to, to get it. Mm. And I'd stop at no end to get this, this benzodiazepine. Because and it is, just to, just to be clarified, it is available on prescription. It's not an illegal drug. It is a prescription drug. Just, so, just to yeah, clarify absolutely. that. Absolutely, it is a prescription yeah. drug. But what happens is you go to the doctor, you get it. How I started off, I got a prescription initially. And then the feeling I got, that was years and years ago, the feeling I got was something that I'd never received, never got a feeling like that before. I'm not a big drinker. I don't smoke. So I got this hit, you could call it, a form of relaxation. Mm-hmm. And I loved the feeling of it. And then it started off slowly, and then I was going from town to town, doctor to doctor. I was doing absolutely everything to get this. I was arrested. I was forging prescriptions. I did everything to get this drug. Um, I've never taken an illegal drug in my life. I was afraid to take it because yeah. I just didn't know what it would do to me. But I yeah. thought this stuff, I, was, I didn't see myself as a drug addict. I saw myself as oh, somebody who just likes this benzodiazepine. Okay. So, it, it, uh, what Peter is going through, I, I just I'm so sorry because I went through the same thing. At one stage, I was I, I was getting drug and dosed seizures. I was getting drug and dosed. I, I was it was horrific that was happening. Um, and how long but, did you go? How long did you go through this benzodiazepines? Uh, I'd, I'd say I went through. I, I don't know exactly about eight years, nine years, maybe oh some eight God. years, nine years, oh something like that. But it was extreme. I destroyed my family, um, friends, everything. It was just horrific. And what it, it, what it had done to my family was just, I could see my family falling apart in front of my eyes because of me, and I couldn't do anything to stop it. I just couldn't do anything to stop it. So I think eight years ago, something like that, one day I, I, I tried treatment. I tried all these different things. It didn't work for me for me at the time one day I was moving from job to job I was just a uh, territorial addiction I'd go from town to town it was just it destroyed my life because I come from a normal regular family farming background and just very very normal people and this is totally unusual it's very unusual to be um, for for families like us to be dealing with this so thankfully today it's a different story and what ha- what happened now I was on your show, I think, I don't know, six, eight years ago, but I was so badly, I just, one day, just, I don't know what, I'm not a believer in, I won't call it religion, I'm not a big believer in any of this kind of stuff anymore, but one day I said, that's it. I was holding a teapot. This mm. is how strange it was. And it fell. I couldn't, hold, I had no power in my two hands. Okay. And I said, that's it. I drove to the University Hospital Galway. And I said to them, went to the hospital and they, met me and said you don't have an addiction sorry you you don't have any mental illness it's an addiction and they did an assessment on me and I kid you not they gave me a prescription for more tablets more benzos see Joe the the problem the problem is Joe when when they stop when doctors and and such healthcare stop providing the benzos to people what happens then you know where's their come down they they have to go Mm. and buy them illegally to continue it because they're afraid to come off them. Like you said, drug-induced um, seizures, it, it does happen, and it's it's scary. I've seen it. It's, it is not nice, and people don't like it. So it, it, for us in our situation is we are being told to continue to take what he's taken mm-hmm. and wean himself off it. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. How can I sit there and prescribe him 10 tablets, 9 tablets per day? I'm nowhere... I cannot do that. And... That is only going to end in one way. He's good. Like yesterday, he overdosed. He tried to do it. it. It was different. You have to understand these benzos that are illegal have different amounts and qualities and quantities Absolutely. of what's in mm-hmm. them. We don't know what's in them. That's the problem. And how can I help to detox someone 
what not know much. He was taken in Italy. Peter, you you can't you you can't and yeah. I, I was one of the you just can't I was one of the lucky people because after I was given that prescription I sat in I can remember sitting out in outside the hospital in Galway on the floor and the rain was on the ground the rain was coming down on top of my head I said where do I go here do I jump into the car or what do I do and I couldn't ring my family they didn't disown me but they were they were nearly done like at that stage so mm-hmm. I rang my sister she collected me brought me to a hospital they said the same situation I said please help me. I just need one chance. And I met somebody who said, female director of nursing or whatever, and she mm-hmm. said, I give you one chance. One chance. I said, that's all I need. And I got the chance. But there's nothing out there for anybody else. I do not know where I'd be for only for that person give me the one chance. I was beaten. And I, I, I don't know. I could go back doing it tomorrow. I hope I never do because I'm married, I have kids. I have a good job. I have a, a lot of responsibilities, but I do not know where I'd be today. Actually, I do. I wouldn't be here. There's no doubt about it. And I'm very sorry to say that. There's, there'd be no doubt about it. I wouldn't be here today, only for I was given that one chance. What Anthony is going through there is just absolutely. It's wrong on so many levels. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, Peter, who first prescribed Anthony the benzos, or did the he get? Same- the same GP who will now not give him the detox. But that GP has a duty of care, surely. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. We're after being there as a family on numerous occasions, having conversations about this, and we're still. They what they do is they refer you back to the um, the substance misuse centre. And they, does, they have to help you. Does that GP, we won't say if it's a he, he or she, does, does that GP say, I don't have the time to supervise them, I don't have the expertise, I don't have the resources? Yeah, he just says, he. I was only talking to him during the week and he said he was at a meeting last week um, with other GPs and they all believe that they are, anyone going through a detox should go through the, the substance misuse centres in their community. Mm-hmm. That's what they're being told. I personally think the risk is too high. What do you mean? Yeah, that's what I think. What do you mean? Though? I think if they're on, if they're doing this detox uh, yeah. program and God forbid anything happens, a, a person um, dies. I genuinely believe it's, it's just it's going to bring so much pressure on them in, in relation to paperwork, nothing else, because there'll be an investigation, yeah. there'll be all this kind of stuff, and they don't need it. They're to, they're so busy with other stuff. They're like, we don't need this hassle because if anything happens to this person detoxing we're exactly. like it's a lot of pressure on us that's what I feel and I felt it for years as well because the same person yeah. that prescribed me the medication wouldn't wouldn't um, wouldn't come near me and also I'm, I'm sorry but, but we're looked down upon as well like as if we're whatever else it's just mm-hmm. I feel the risk is too high for the doctors and were you warned yeah. Noel by your GP of the dangers of addiction to benzos at the time no do you believe it or not at the time there was no measure there was nothing mentioned nothing by the time I was finished, sorry, the, by the last time I took them, it was all over the place. Like it was just beginning to get, mm. just become very common and, and the um, information and the, the addictive ingredients and so on and so forth. But when I first had given them, they were given them like sweets. By the time I finished, you couldn't get them. So you could get them by a doctor. Mm. I wouldn't tell them lies. I was buying them online. And I, I can remember going to Greece or somewhere. This is how bad I was. And I woke up in a hospital and me two front teeth smashed. I got a plane and oh. went over trying to get them over there. This is the extent of it. But I genuinely think doctors don't have time and some doctors don't have the interest either. Yeah, I, I personally, I believe, like you said, I think they're afraid in case anything falls back on them. But would you believe even within the, the um, substance misuse centres, it is actually easier for them and for a methadone programme, they would rather mm. do than a benzos. They've said it to me it's well straightforward if you're taking heroin rather than benzos. But did it... And, okay. right and the come down is just horrific as well. Like, and it's, it's, it's so, so dangerous because I was weaned off. I was so bad, right? <laughs> that the, the doctors in the hospital refused to, refused to give me the medication that was the head doctor prescribed. So this other doctor had to come over and they came into the room afterwards and they were looking at me and they were like, oh my God, how are you not out for the count? I was talking normally. So... If, if it didn't, if I didn't, I did it over four weeks, I believe, three or four weeks. And if I didn't do it like that, there was no way, because one or two days in the, in the first week is horrific, horrific. 
to come down. So expecting somebody like yourself, Peter, to do this for Anthony, mm. it's not right. It's dangerous because, as you said, the stuff that he's buying illegally on the streets or on the line or whatever it is, you do not know what's in there. So you're given mm. something and you're, you're expected to give mm. him do this um, program and you're expect, you're not qualified to do that. It, it, your brother needs to be in a in a safe environment because if anything happens, he needs to be able to look after. And Peter, have, have the family been able to talk to the GP? Like, would the GP even say, well, can the family even ask, would you just manage him until we get him in somewhere? Yeah, we've we've tried it. We've said it. Like, obviously, he's going to need something to take to come down off the other ones. And we said it like, if it has to be through, through a pharmacy, maybe they could give out mm-hmm. two a day or three a day or, or controlled by one of his parents or, but no, nowhere. Um, it's a cold We're left decision. in limbo. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully. I honestly be... believe he need. I, I honestly believe Peter. He needs to be in a controlled environment, even at home or going to the pharmacy. So you could you could buy anything on the way, or, or coming yeah. back. Mm. You, you just it needs to be in a controlled environment where there's no access at all, and then brought down. And hopefully, then at the stage after a number of weeks, that he's in a right frame of mind to be able to say, you know what, I went to Hope House, but I needed to be cleaned by for a certain amount of time or whatever. I can't recall. I think it was two weeks. And the two weeks from leaving the hospital to going to Hope House in Foxford were horrific. But once I went to Hope House, I, I never looked back. I really never looked back. And I'm not just saying this. It's just it, I'm not just saying this. And I, I see this on television or I see it on on social media. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Which kind of annoys me. But then, then I'm saying it like, if I can do this, like, mm. like don't give up on Anthony. He can do it. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. We're a lot stronger than people think in general. Okay. Like, yeah. So, like, I'm so so sorry. At the, at the end, so at the end of the day, it's it's not like we as a family are forcing him to try and get help. He is literally sitting there crying, wanting help, and he is going yeah. to the appointments with us and to the hospitals and begging and begging for help. Like, it, it literally is. There's nowhere. There's nothing. No one is helping him. It's just completely disjointed. It's not fair for anybody. And I would not like to see anybody else in this situation. Okay. And there are a lot okay. of people dying in Ireland probably because of this, but you know what? It's unknown. It's unknown. Yeah. It's and just look, like like this, look, he was told to go home and, and wean himself off those tablets. He overdosed. He nearly died. He ended up in hospital. I saved his life yesterday. Yeah. And he knows that. And he's thankful for that. So he's at home trying to recover from literally nearly dying yesterday because of a failed, broken system. That's what it is. And did A&E in, in the hospital, did the so, was there a social worker attached to A&E? There is normally. And were, you, were, were you referred anywhere from A&E to come back next week and yeah. meet? Where? Back to the um, Substance Misuse Centre, who will, again, will offer counselling sessions and... and Hmm. refer a detox programme back to his GP. Okay. So you're back at that dead end again. Okay, let's uh, let's hope we can hear from somebody because uh, on the one hand we have the hope that is Noel um, and on the other hand we have the, the desperation which is Peter and Anthony and I uh, hope to, uh, hopefully the two of them, the, those those two uh, roads can meet uh, very, very soon. Noel, good to meet you, Margaret, and uh, good to hear you're well. And uh, Peter, thank you also, and kind regards thank to you. Anthony, who I think is listening. Joe at rt.ie, 51551 is the text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. As you heard earlier, uh, the Minister Heather Humphreys is introducing stricter rules on controlling uh, dogs uh, in Ireland and uh, one reaction we got so far is from uh, Cormac now the main difference seems to be uh, heavier fines as they say more uh, financial uh, impacts on people who have uh, dogs that they can't control Cormac good afternoon good afternoon Joe what do you think of this the, a new increase on the spot fines issued by dog wardens um, what, what do you think the difference that will make Personally, I don't think it would make the slightest bit of difference whatsoever. Um, mm. the, the, the current regime of fines, you know, doesn't work. I mean, the amount of fines being issued by dog wardens is extremely low. And that's not because I think that dog wardens are not working. It's just an impossible situation. I mean, the reality of it is this. If you go back prior to, I mean, there was very little mm-hmm. activity with dogs during the COVID. But go back to 2020. 
Uh, fines issued by dog wardens throughout the country amounted to roughly about 41 fines um, per year per county. That's less than one. That's less than one a week. That's less than one a week. Yeah. In each county in Ireland. Yeah. Less than seventeen hundred fines were issued for the entire country in that particular year. Well, the new that relates. Yeah. Well, and well, that relates to dog fouling, uh, no licenses, stray dogs, sheep boarding, you name it. And as I say, I don't believe for one moment that that's because the dog wardens are doing their job. It's. As regards issuing fines, it's virtually an impossible job because, look, a dog warden can request somebody who's walking with restricted breed. Yeah. Restricted breed should be on the restrictions, are they? It must be muzzled, it must be on a chain that doesn't, ex- or a lead that doesn't exceed two metres. It must be under the effective control of somebody who's capable of doing it. And it can't be with anybody under the age of 16. Now, you walk up to two guys or three guys coming down the street with a German Shepherd or a Pitbull Terrier and say, give me your name and your address, and they tell you to go and take a jump in the river. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Now, you were a dog warden. What did you do? Well, you, if you knew you? them, if you knew them, I mean, you, you had all sorts of options. I mean, in theory, you could follow them to they go home. You could be following them until next Monday week, mm. and there's no necessarily to go back to their homeless. There's no point in going to Angarda Shea because, look, they're dealing with far, what they would see far more serious issues than coming down to town to stop two guys and demand their name and address. So, you know, dog wardens are in an impossible situation in trying to enforce the Restricted Breed Act. That's, and, and, and that's evident. I mean, anybody can walk down any town in the country and see people walking German Shepherds, Doberman Pincers, Pitbull Terriers, Staffies, um, without a muzzle, um, and just on, and some of them are even on run lines, what we call you know, the zip lines that they can extend out and move out from 6 foot to 26 foot. Um, and that's, as I say, and, and bear in mind that, you know, most counties, I mean, there are 50 dog wardens in the entire country. That's including all the cities and all the towns. So it averages that with probably less than one dog warden per county to deal with everything. Yeah. Checking dog licenses, visiting puppy farms, uh, dog breeders, Okay, well, five one double five ones are text number. But now, you say about there's one less than one fine issued a week per county in Ireland. Um, but under the new legislation, dog wardens would be able to issue multiple fines at one time. For example, for a restricted dog without a muzzle, uh, a collar, a dog license, that could attract three separate penalties, meaning a total fine of nine hundred euro. How do you react to that, Cormac? There is no change there because, in fact, dog warrants could always issue individual fines for yeah. individual offences. So, you know, if if you had a restricted pre-dog, for example, walking without a muzzle on it mm-hmm. and it wasn't um, licensed, you could issue a fine for no licence and then issue a fine for the restricted breed. But that's not the issue. It's, it's, it's enforcing those fines is the problem. That that is the big. I mean, if you think about it, in that same year of 2020, 87 prosecutions were taken nationwide in relation to offences under the Control of Dogs Act by all the local authorities in the country. So, but, but you see, I know when you say Gardaí have more important things to be doing, you know, but like the the savagery of some of the attacks by dogs, but, even in the last few weeks, is pretty it, serious. It, it, this breed, the, the um, XL bully, uh, it's a particularly dangerous dog if it gets out of control. It doesn't necessarily say it's inherently dangerous, but my own opinion it just probably is. But I'm sure the, 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 the psychologist will tell you different. But it, it's bred to a terrorist. I mean, these dogs have, have what's known as scissors bite. Uh, and that basically what means that the upper teeth are, are, are more closely overlapping the bottom teeth than other dogs. Um, Okay. And, and those bites are capable of shredding flesh. They're capable of um, crushing bone. Um, last year in the UK, for example, over 50%, I think 52%, of all deaths by dogs were called by excellent bullies. So, you know, putting those on the restricted breed list, I think, is probably a waste of time. And I've never been in favour of banning anything. But, you know, maybe if these dogs were banned, because I know uh, mm. end of this year... It's the 1st of January. They will be banned in the UK. 
It will be yeah, a criminal yeah, offence. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless they have a... Yeah, but a it come, come back, Cormac, and, and I'll bring in John in a sec. Joe at RT.ie, 51551. In terms of the seriousness, one only has to look at the very, very brave, courageous little boy, Alexandra Mizan. Um, you, you people remember from Watford, he was only 10 years of age and he was savaged by an XL bully dog and, and his family decided, uh, as he's making his recovery, they would release photographs of the injuries to, to Alexandra. Alexandra. And um, they are, everyone's seen them and if you've seen them, you won't forget them. This is a serious, serious problem. Absolutely horrendous, and this is what I'm saying. Excel bullies can cause extraordinary damage to, to, to an adult, never mind to a child. I mean, it's devastating, and it's devastating for the family and everything. And you have to ask, you know, we, we, would we allow people of, 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 I don't know, untrained people to walk around with a shotgun loaded down the street? You know, mm-hmm. we, we we don't mind people who are properly trained in handling firearms, be the hunters or be the whatever, to carefully carry firearms. But mm-hmm. we wouldn't allow it. So why do we allow people who have no training, who have no understanding of the power of these dogs to parade them around busy streets um, or to just put them in the back garden and not properly fence them in? It's, it's, I sometimes give up and wonder about the mentality of people who do it. But look, we're in the situation where we are. Um, personally, I think, you know, we may have to go down the road of banning these dogs like they've done in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well how, how the, well, I know the country was deeply upset with the images that Alexandro, not the images, the injuries that Alexandro uh, suffered and oh, yeah. people Horrendous. saw, saw the photographs of the child on his hospital bed. He was in hospital. That happened just before Christmas. And now the hospital that he's in, Crumlin, are, are, are absolutely brilliant and he is receiving ongoing treatment. So I think every, everything can only get better from the awful situation the poor boy was in. Mm-hmm. But I think anyone who saw those photographs would say, this is crazy, yeah. these days. I, 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 I would absolutely agree. Um and, and, and the amount of dogs, these dogs who actually turn on their owners um, yeah. seems to me to be well and above what normally happens. And yeah. look, all dogs, let's be honest about Joe, all dogs are going to bite, given the right yeah. circumstances yeah. Yeah. for whatever reason. If the damage that they, 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 the breed of this dog they can do with, with the power of their jaws and, and, and the way the, breed, the teeth have managed to overlap the lower teeth, they can literally shred flesh and, 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 and as I say, crush bone. It's, it's, it's horrendous. You have to keep asking, like, what purpose are they serving? John, stay with, stay with us. Five one double five one text. John Howard. John, good afternoon. You're listening. What do you think of the the new legislation increase in fines and multiple fines and um your reaction, John? Well, look, I suppose I would only agree with everything that yourself and the previous speaker has said. But my reaction is typical of the government total knee-jerk reaction instead of enforcing what we already have. But you see, if the laws that we already have were enforced properly, and it would go a long ways. In other words, what? A dog can be put down, can't they? But that has to go to court, doesn't it? Well, this is part of the problem in this country. There's so much bureaucracy and paperwork. If a dog bites, it should be put down immediately, as difficult as it may be for the owner and for mm. all concerned. But it just should be done automatically, immediately. So what, what do you think of that, that statistic from Cormac, a former dog warden, that there's less than one fine per week issued in every county in Ireland for uh, breaking the law in terms of... Uh, how to handle dogs and muzzles. Whereas 460 people, that's nearly 10 a week, 10 a week were hospitalised last year from attacks by dogs, including uh, 144 children. Well, I'm I'm delighted that that Cormac had the statistics because I didn't have them, but I knew they would be pretty small. No, no, the statistics are, are widely available. Our producers got them, so the government know them. Well, they must know. Yeah, on the exactly. one hand, on the one hand, one f- less than one fine per week, per county in Ireland for uh, dog behavioural problems uh, and and owner problems as well, obviously in terms of management. And yet, nearly ten people a week ending up in hospital because of attacks by dogs. 
There's no. Yeah, there's a, that's some. That's some seesaw, isn't it, Jim? Come in, Jim. Yeah, Jim. I, I I'd agree with uh, all the previous speakers. The 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 bylaws are not being enforced, and unfortunately, people ha- are ignoring the the regulations, and it's a big problem. And uh, I'm delighted that you've raised it, Joe. And what what do you what are the problems that you see with dogs that should be dealt with? Are you believe? Well, I see that uh, dog poo has not been picked up. Sometimes it's been picked up, put in a bag, and then people throw it out the window on their on their way out of the of a town. Uh, I mean, you can see those bags everywhere. Uh, I just think that uh, the bylaws need to be enforced much more strictly. And I'm delighted with the. But you've you've only forty dog wardens in the country. Yeah, well, we need forty in every county. Yeah, well, you, you, you're not going to get that overnight, even if they. What about what about the Gardaí being more involved? Well, if you look at the traffic wardens, they're all over the place, and they find people if you're 15 minutes over your time. I think the dog wardens have to be doing the same. Mm. Joe Cormac here, could I come in there for a moment? You know, there's Jim. There's there's over half a million dogs in Ireland. Half a million. So so that means uh, every dog warden is. Is is in charge, so to speak, of um, more than ten thousand dogs each? They having a hope. No, Cormac, sorry, you wanted to come in there. Yeah, you just go back to what your your, your previous speaker. It, it's it's unfair to to um, maybe compare the enforcement of traffic wardens with dog wardens okay. from a very point of view that, that it's a traffic warden is very often dealing with a static item there's nobody around somebody has walked off and left their car illegally parked he can yeah, put a parking ticket yeah, on yeah. it dog warden has to stand on his own in front of possibly one or two or three um, let's assume for the most part clearly youngish fit guys um, and and proceed to write a, fa- uh, a fine and hand it to the guy not a hope in hell he he, he it's just an impossible thing to ask anybody to do. That's that's the reality of that, you know. I mean, and it's unfair. And, and look, can I can I give you an example that happened many many years ago after I had moved out of the dog warden service, but I was with a dog warden uh, trying to gain access to a property, and the lady in question um, finally agreed that I could enter the property to examine her dogs. And I point she man, this shows you just mm-hmm. what people disrespect to have for the dog warden service this lady looked and said well look you sound like you're okay I'll allow you in but I'm not allowing that guy in because you know what he's only a dog warden because he failed the exam to be a traffic warden and she said that in to this chap's face right you know the most demeaning and insulting thing and it brought it home to me just how little respect the public have for these guys and girls who are doing this job and yet when something goes wrong you know, they're, yeah. they're berated yeah. then by, by the public at large. Um, I have great sympathy, as I said, and I haven't been a dog warden for donkey's years, but I have great sympathy for them and for what yeah, they do. So do I, so do I. And they're few, the stats, the few and far between 40 dog wardens, 460 well, hosp- hospitalised, 50, sorry, 50 dog wardens uh, for 26 counties for a population of uh, 5.5 million at this stage, a population of over uh, 550,000 dogs. Each dog warden, uh, uh, on paper at least, is on average uh, has supervision over 10,500 dogs. As I say, 460, um, 60, um, um, 460 hospitalizations. OK, I'll take a quick break back after this. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Breaking news uh, from the courts, from uh, Orla O'Donnell, our crime, our courts correspondent. Uh, Joseph Pushka has been found guilty uh, in a unanimous verdict after a trial in the Central Criminal Court, which lasted, as you know, three weeks. Joseph Pushka has been found guilty for the murder 
of uh, Ashling Murphy, a, a name and an image that will be uh, forever etched in our minds. Uh, 33-year-old uh, Pushka is found guilty of, of Ashling's murder uh, in a random attack beside the Grand Canal in Tullamore in January last year. A jury in the Central Criminal Court reached a unanimous guilty verdict after a trial lasting just over three weeks. He will be sentenced to a mandatory term of life in prison after a victim impact statement is heard at a later date. The jurors found a 33-year-old father of five who was originally from Slovakia guilty of murdering the 23-year-old primary school teacher in a random stabbing as she walked along the Grand Canal on January 12th, 2022. The evidence pointing to his guilt has been described as overwhelming. Pushka didn't know Mrs Murphy, they'd never met, and there was no connection at all between them. The, ev- the evidence suggests that two other women were lucky not to have been attacked by him on that day. Pushka was seen on CCTV following two local women on his bicycle in the hours before Mrs. Miss M- Murphy Ashling was killed. He followed one of them again by the Grand Canal as she walked her dog. Ashling Murphy set off for a walk along the canal at nine minutes to three in the afternoon. Data from her Fitbit suggests that she was dead 40 minutes later. Now, I, I hasten to add, I'm conscious of uh, children's school, cars or whatever. Um, so maybe um, wait for the full details later if there's young children in the car, and especially as Ashling uh, was a primary school teacher. Ashling was stabbed 11 times on the right side of the neck. Her voice box was cut and major veins and artery were damaged. Two local women, incredible women, came upon the attack when they spotted Pushka's distinctive bicycle discarded in an embankment. One of them saw Pushka holding down Miss Murphy in the undergrowth as she kicked her legs. That woman, Jenna Stack, described Miss Murphy kicking so hard, crying out for help, using the only part of her body she could move. Miss Stack and her friend Eva Marin, Marin raised the alarm and local man Enda Malloy, another hero, found Miss Murphy's body within minutes and he was the first to call, uh, with the first call, sorry, to the emergency services being made at 15.34, just after uh, 3.30. Pushka hid in a ditch until it was dark before calling to a friend to get a lift to his home. He then fled to his parents' apartment in Dublin where he shaved off his beard and stabbed himself in the stomach. He was taken to St. James's Hospital in Dublin the following morning. In hospital, he claimed he had been stabbed in an attack in Blanchardstown in Dublin, but his story didn't add up and Tullamore Gardaí quickly became uh, involved. Two days after the killing, he confessed in hospital to the murder. The confession came freely and spontaneously from him while speaking through an interpreter in his native uh, Slovak uh, Slovak um, language. Um, as I say, he confessed. Um, he told Gardy, I did it. I murdered. I am, I am the murderer. And went on to say in English that he cut Miss Murphy's uh, neck at a time when the fact that she had been stabbed was not publicly known. So in other words, he revealed information uh, that would only have been known to the Gardaí. Pushka's DNA and a fingerprint were found on the bicycle at the scene. His DNA was also underneath Mrs. Miss, Miss Murphy's finger, fingernails. Despite all this, Pushka pleaded not guilty. In Garda custody after his arrest, he said he didn't know Ashley. He'd never met her, and the first he'd seen her for was in a, seen her for was in a photograph shown to him by Gardaí during the interviews. He said he didn't recall what he had said in hospital, as he was after surgery and many tablets. An expert for the prosecution said the amount of pain medication in the system could not have influenced his confessions to Gardaí. Pushka called his own expert medical witness, who admitted. The witness admitted he had overestimated the amount of pain medication in Pushka's system, but claimed he could also have been affected by the surgery he had the night before, the unfamiliar environment he was in, and by communication issues because English was not his first language. Pushka gave evidence in this trial in his own defence, and in the witness box a new story emerged. He claimed he had been the victim of an attack and a witness to Miss Murphy's uh, murder. He told the jury he was attacked by a masked man who stabbed him and then killed Miss Murphy. 
He claimed he was a good Samaritan who tried uh, to save uh, her life. He said he hid in a ditch uh, afterwards because he was scared. He was scared and lost consciousness. And he said he had asked people at home to burn the clothes he had been uh, wearing. Um, His story was described by prosecuting counsel Anne-Marie Lawler as ludicrous and farcical. And the jury unanimously didn't believe it either in a relatively short time. The jury were only sent out yesterday, by the way. He's been in custody since January the 18th, 2022, and now faces many more years in jail. Uh, God rest, uh, Ashling Morphy, and God uh, uh, help and console and continue to console uh, her family. May her memory be a blessing. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. And as you see now, it's, um, it's as you can imagine, it's trending everywhere uh, on Twitter. Paul Healy of The Star. Um, Joseph uh, Pushka has been found guilty. Our own RT News, you heard all this piece there. Um, unanimous verdict, uh, found guilty. Um, the Virgin Media obviously news it was a unanimous uh, verdict uh, as I pointed out um, this uh, the the um, decision um, uh, was made within the last uh, 20 minutes the, the jury in the trial of uh, Joseph Bushka over the murder of Ashton Murphy have reached a verdict and the decision will be heard imminently well it has been heard he's found guilty BBC News are reporting on it such as the uh, the, the, the impact of the awful, awful murder. And it was a murder. Jury have decided unanimously. Joseph Pushkis, this BBC, Joseph Pushkis found guilty of murdering 23-year-old uh, school teacher and folk musician Ashling Murphy in County Offaly last year. And people will remember and they'll see it again this evening on the news. And indeed, uh, tomorrow in the newspapers, people will remember those images of Ashling, which were joyful, when they were taken, but became so poignant after her uh, savage murder. The image of her uh, playing her musical instrument, the image of her graduating from uh, teacher training college, uh, the images of her um, enjoying herself, her her boyfriend, her incredible, incredible family. Um, And again, it just goes on and on and on here. All the the, uh, crime journalists obviously are... are, uh, Reporting the women's national women's council, the women's council Ireland, um, he, fa- he faces a, a mandatory life sentence for her murder. Our thoughts are with all of Ashling's family, friends, and loved ones uh, on this day, and they post that incredible photograph of um, Ashling with her parchment and her mortarboard and. Uh, the joyful smile that graduates have on the day they make their their milestone uh, move and they make their parents and friends so, so, so proud. Sky News, it's on Sky News. Uh, Joseph uh, Pushka has been found guilty of murdering Irish teacher. Um, and I mean Irish by nationality because... Um, uh, because it's obviously reporting primarily for a British audience to, to Irish teacher Ashling Murphy News Talk are doing it obviously um, and then people are saying I really feel for the parents of Ashling and her friends who had to sit through because Pushka uh, pleaded not guilty because he put through by doing that he put the family through that harrowing harrowing evidence of the injuries to their beautiful beautiful daughter 23 years of age uh, the second anniversary is only t- uh, 10 weeks away of Ashling's death to put him through the court case which went on for uh, well over three weeks and all the details of the injuries that dear Ashling suffered had to be uh, had to be uh, detailed but as I say it's not just uh, leading uh, every Irish news um, bulletin is actually now on the British news and there's a photograph uh, of uh, Pushka's uh, family outside the Central Criminal Court today um, as they arrived as the jury begins to deliberate well the only way they will see their brother again or uncle or whatever they say is their friend again is uh, through through bars 
Uh, Women's Aid welcomes the conviction of Joseph Pushka for the murder of Ashling Murphy. When Pushka senselessly took Ashling Murphy's life at 4.30 in broad daylight while she was out on a run, it sent a shockwave through communities in Ireland and the hashtag Women's Aid, hashtag femicide. Um, the evidence, just a, a separate uh, posting by another group, the evidence is clear so far. This man lied continually. And dear Ashling, from where it stands, it now looks like justice may be served and your soul may finally rest in peace. We will never forget you. Uh, court News uh, Ireland, Joseph Pushka, who stabbed 23-year-old. There's Paul there, Paul Healy. Paul, good afternoon. Afternoon, Joe. How are you? You've been there every day and, and reporting on it every day, Paul Healy of the Mirror. Um, Paul, um, what was, uh, to just talk us through the court, the jury came in. What was Pushka's reaction, if any? Well, Joe, I'm actually literally just out of the courtroom. Okay. Um, and there's, there's hoax all around, but uh, uh, Mr. Pushka barely reacted to be honest he just kind of put his head down when uh, he realized mm-hmm. that the verdict was one of guilty um as you know joe it took the the jury just over two hours to come to this yeah. uh, particular verdict and there was a lot of emotion there's still a lot of emotion even just outside court yeah. 13 here this afternoon the family are all hugging one another there was a photograph of ashling uh, brought in to the courtroom uh, a framed mm-hmm. photograph and the family actually stood up uh, with that photo and there was a round of applause when the jury were leaving the room um, and, and just a lot of emotion and 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 mm-hmm. upset here, but but I suppose closure and a, a sense of you know that the, of joy that, that the correct verdict has been handed down. Yeah. And Paul, obviously, the jury only took two hours, and it was a unanimous mm-hmm. verdict. What was the expression uh, of the jurors when? Because it's an extraordinarily emotional time for them as well, when the when yeah. the jury four person read out the verdict. You could you could tell even from the faces of the jury members that they were quite emotional about this. There were, there were tears in some of their eyes. Um, I think there was just a sense of, you know, bringing a, a grieving family here some, some justice. This was a crime that I think affected the entire country. Yeah. Um, you know, Ashling was a school teacher. She was a daughter, a friend. Many people I, I probably look at their own daughter and, and, and see her in them. You know, she, she was the epitome of... Yeah. A young person starting out her life, you know, and so I, you could really see the effect on that on everyone in the room. I think, you know, I, I, it's, it's rare that a journalist would offer opinion, but when you look at the evidence in this yeah, case, yeah. Um, I mean, it was overwhelming. And Mr. Puska, you know, he told the Guardian nothing under arrest. He continually lied upon lie. And then yeah. when he got on the witness stand last week, he really stunned everybody. And I think really that was the final nail in the coffin, to be honest, Joe, because once he started to tell this story, which he hadn't told anyone mm-hmm. up until now, 22 months later, where he was supposedly the victim of an attack, where he was supposedly the person who was the only person who would have witnessed the murder of Miss Murphy, that he then stood over her and that he then ran away uh, after apparently trying to help her. Um, I mean, I, I suppose once he began to tell that story, it was hard really for anybody to see it any other way. Uh, I think he really, as I said, he, he, he nailed that coffin firmly shut when he was telling a story that really he hadn't told the guards, he hadn't told the family, he hadn't told anybody up until he got on that witness stand. And his story was so convoluted. Like, was he mm. any way convincing looking across the courtroom, Adam Paul? Was he any way convincing? As I say, he, he said he was attacked. He was helping Ashling, even though the, the evidence to the contrary was overwhelming. And then he ended up in Dublin, then ended up, uh, shade, then dialing 999 and the injuries to the stomach, he said, were caused by the same person who murdered Ashling. Mm-hmm. No, I, well, I mean, look, I can only offer you my opinion, but yeah, I would yeah. certainly think anybody sitting in the courtroom, uh, I, I don't know if they found him in any way convincing. As I say, you need only look at the evidence in this case. There's DNA that was found from Mr. Puska under the fingernails of Miss Murphy. We heard comprehensive evidence from the state pathologist, Dr. Sally Ann Collis, of how that was indicative of defensive injuries. Those are the only way that Mr. Puska's DNA would have ended up under the fingernails of Miss Murphy. Yes, he tried to tell the court that he was helping her, that that's why his DNA was there. Uh, And just even just we have to consider that that extraordinary story, I mean, if he was a victim in this case, and he was the person who tried to save her. Why would he not volunteer that? Why would he wait 22 months mm-hmm. to tell that story? It, it was an act of desperation. I think everyone saw it that way. Certainly, 
I got the sense from him, and I'm, I'm not a body language expert, but he seemed so relaxed throughout his entire testimony, sat back in the chair um, and delivered it with such confidence that I could only surmise that he seemed to believe that the jury would in some way believe his, his nonsensical story. And the judge, Mr. Tony Hunt, is one of the most experienced uh, mm-hmm. judges in the country, especially with cases of this savagery, unfortunately. He told the jury, I agree with your verdict. I'm glad you, dis- you didn't waste any more of your valuable time with Pushka's mm-hmm. nonsense. He told the mm-hmm. jury, we have evil in this room after Joseph mm-hmm. Pushka was found guilty. There will be a yeah. day, Judge Hunt said, there will be a day of reckoning for Pushka. Um, and uh, the case dealing with Mrs. Moore was particularly difficult giving the kind of person this is Ashling. this is Ashling. Uh, was especially difficult for everyone given the kind of person uh, she uh, obviously was primary school child, love children GAA music it goes on they're pretty strong statements from a George aren't they? Uh, very strong. Uh, Mr Justice Hunt ha- has been quite active through this case. Um, it would be rare that you would hear a judge's opinion uh, on this level, but I think, as I said, this has affected everybody. And as you said, Joe, he told the courtroom there was evil in the room. Um, he will now have to take all of that in consideration when he is sentencing Mr Puska. So that's going to happen next Thursday, the 17th of mm. November, is when that sentencing is taking place. Of course, there is only one sentence when it comes yeah. to murder, and that, that's mandatory life in prison. Um, so Mr. Puska is now remanded uh, back into custody. He's been in custody the entire time in Clover Hill Prison. Um, so he'll be there now until the, the 17th. OK. Um, and uh, Pushka will now have to be... I worked in probation prison service for years. The nature of that crime, uh, that, that murder will have to be put on protection in, uh, in prison. It was such a heinous crime. Um, uh, stay with us, Paul, and talk to other people after this break. You can show with RT.ie. 0818-715-815. Joseph Pushka has been found guilty of the murder of Ashling uh, Murphy, and there have been some uh, incredible scenes in the court in the last uh, half hour or so after the jury of nine men and three women. Uh, returned with their verdict. We heard there, I read out Arlott O'Donnell's full report. Uh, you heard from Paul Healy of the Mirror, who's been Irish Mirror, who's been covering that from day one. Uh, Mary Carlin is of the Irish Times. Mary, you've been covering court cases uh, for many, many years up in the four courts. Uh, how, how, how difficult was it to cover this one, Mary, given the horrific nature of the attack on Ashling? It was one of those incredibly difficult cases, Joe. Um, The Murphy family were in court every day and they had to listen to a lot of very distressing evidence, particularly evidence from the pathologist about the injuries inflicted on Ashling. And uh, they became particularly distressed when they were showing her blood-soaked white T-shirt and uh, CCTV clips of her walking along the canal on what turned out to be her last journey. Uh, it, it was a very traumatic trial. Uh, Judge Hunt himself described it as more exhausting than any he had uh, gone through in mm-hmm. quite some time. And I think that feeling was shared by uh, virtually everybody in court. My God, my God. And the jury, they came in with their verdict and it was unanimous. They only had, they had spent two hours, which shows how uh, clear they felt the case was. Um, when the jury were, were retiring, um, obviously the, the judge told they would never have to serve on the jury again. Um, apparently there was applause for the jury in the court. There was um, when the when the court when the, when the foreman handed over the verdict to the register and the word guilty was was read. Uh, the family uh, were clearly very emotional, and uh, Kathleen Murphy uh, had a framed photograph of Ashling, and they all held each other, and it, there were tears. Uh, but the judge had said beforehand uh, that he he wanted quiet, so the courtroom was pretty quiet. Uh, and the judge made the comments that he mm. had. I, I know that you have already uh, already mm. heard them. And um, it's mm. when, but when the jury, when he exempted the jury from service for twenty years, and they stood up to go, some of them were in tears. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there was applause from the family and a lot of people have come up from Tullamore to support them. Yeah, and yeah. Mrs. Murphy uh, stood and uh, held a photograph of oh, her God. daughter towards the jury. So there was a lot of emotion in the courtroom today. And Mary, there's no harm in repeating as, as uh, the, the, the judge's comments when Judge Tony Hunt, as you know more than I do, one of the most experienced judges um, in the country at this stage with criminal matters, he said, we have evil in this courtroom. Yes, uh, Judge Hunt would be known as quite a straight-talking judge. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, prior to the verdict, uh, in discussions with the lawyers, uh, before, uh, in the absence of the jury, when the jury were out, he described the, uh, the defence case as tread bare. And he was critical of uh, the introduction of what he described as a lot of extraneous material into the case. Uh, um, and when the jury came back with the verdict, uh, he told them that he agreed with it and uh, that he wasn't glad, he was glad that, the, that they hadn't spent more time than they needed to consider what he described as Mr. Pushka's nonsense. Okay. And he said there was no reflection on uh, Mr. Pritchett's lawyers. Uh, he said that you can't make bricks without straw. And what the lawyers had in their hands was cursed stuff in, indeed. And he told the jury that quite literally you made sure that nobody got away with murder. Um, and he did that when he was exempting them for service for 20 years. 20, okay. And he did make that comment. He, he talked about uh, Ashley uh, and he said there was a sense of the kind of person she was from some of the evidence, even from her being a primary school teacher, her GAA mm. top, all that involvement in the community that probably resonated with people across the country. And he talked about, um, you know, when parents lose a child as a result of illness or dying in an accident, that's unnatural, uh, but they might be able to reconcile themselves in some way to it. But the position that uh, the Murphy family found themselves in was uh, totally unenviable, consider- considering what had happened. And that's when he made the comment, uh, we've evil in this room, no doubt about that. My God. And he said uh, that, that to the Murphy family, um, your position is unenviable. How their child was taken away to consider what happened here is enough to make you physically ill. And the, yeah. the, as you say, the, the family were there and they've stood by uh, through extraordinarily uh, difficult and upsetting um, uh, evidence from, as you say, pathologists especially. And you say that, the, that there was a photograph of Ashlyn carried aloft by her mother. A proud that's mother. right. Okay. That's right. The, the family had that photograph in court today, probably as a reminder to everybody yeah. about uh, the devastating loss to them of this young woman, really on on the cusp of her life. And um, and as as you say, Mary, you don't have to be. I I'm the father of a teacher. In her twenties, and um, you don't you don't have to be father of a young woman to uh, uh, feel empathy for that dear, dear family and feel such hurt for what happened, uh, dear Ashling. Uh, Ellen O'Malley, uh, Mary, go to Mila Mahogat again and, and thank, you for all, thank you for all of your work. Thank you so much. That's Mary Carolyn of, of the Irish Times. Apologies there. My Ellen O'Malley Dunlap. Ellen, uh, former Good director of the Ray Crisis Centre, adjunct professor, university uh, of Limerick Law School. This is just, uh, it's its justice. He didn't get away with murder, but it's the heartbreak of what happened. And what happens to other women as well? What happened to this 23-year-old young female school teacher? Absolutely heartbreaking, Joe. I'm a Midland girl myself. I come from County Leash originally. And I know, you know, what how close-knit these communities are and the Murphy family I mean it's horrendous what they've had to endure you know not just horrendous murder of their gorgeous girl uh, but also you know going through uh, that court case and and listening to the the awful um, uh, injuries that were visited upon their beautiful girl and uh, and yes justice has been delivered but they have to live with this for the rest of their lives 
Uh, I mean, it's really horrendous. And I mean, what the judge said in terms of evil, yeah. I mean, sadly, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing we're having yeah. in our community. And um, women uh, are don't feel safe. And we, you know, even walking out in the local park myself, I would, if anybody was walking yeah. behind me, I'd wait to let them walk in front. I mean, that's not good enough in today's world. But, yeah. um, I mean, today, really, our thoughts and our condolences are with that family and with that community. And as I say, thank God, justice has been delivered for yeah. them. And, of course, we remember all the Gardaí, uh, male and female, who were... Um, who acted, who arrested Pushka so quickly and they they believed they, they had their man, to use that phrase. And also anyone who followed the trial uh, and the, the newspaper reports and the TV and radio reports every day. Uh, Anne-Marie Lawler, yes. uh, that, the, the prosecutor was Anne-Marie Lawler, senior counsel. I don't know the woman, but I, well, I, I, it, she was yeah. brilliant. She was brilliant in her fluency and her language. Like all the staff in, in the GPP's office, yeah. all the... Um, the, the jury, I mean, obviously, and hopefully that jury won't have to do any more jury service. Yeah. And I do hope they'll be able to avail of the supports that are there, you know, for people who have listened to these, um, the, as I say, these awful crimes that have been visited upon this young girl. Um, and the the rape crisis, 24-hour health line is one eight hundred seventy seven eighty eight eighty eight, And people do suffer uh, vicarious trauma, you know, and yeah. they do need help and there is help there and I do hope that those who have been affected uh, will also avail of the help. And also, in fairness, um, it's it's the job, it's our job in the media, but the Gardaí asked specifically from the outset that the nature of um, Ashling's injuries would not be revealed publicly because that helps them when they, and it did actually help them because uh, Pushka revealed something which had not been on the media. So the media uh, did their job uh, as as well. Ellen O'Malley, uh, Dunlop, uh, thank thank you, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, very you much, Sam, Thank you. Thank you. Una Heaton is in Limerick again. Joseph Pushka has been found guilty uh, of the murder of uh, Ashling Murphy. Uh, Una, your thoughts, please. Well, Joe, I reckon on a day, on a dark day with so much sadness in this world with wars in Ukraine and Gaza, it gives a glimmer of hope for justice that that man has been found guilty and the family have been thrust through so much agony listening to his lies. And uh, fair juice to the judge and the jury who actually brought the okay. guilty uh, plea today and so proud of um, the jury. And the Ashley Murphy's family, I mean, how they've gone through okay. another and piece of... And the justice, the guys who defend this, I don't understand, but that lies, you know, they have to defend these guys, you know. But knowing that they were guilty all the time in the lies, you know. Well done to the jury and thank you, Justice. And I hope the family of Ashley now can take comfort that there is justice there. And he serves the 20 years. That's the, that's the justice, I think, not be out in three or four years. Let him serve 20 years. If he gets 20 years, serve the 20 years. Okay. Thank you, Joe, for your... Thank you, Una. And, and, and uh, to thank Raymond you, and Kathleen, Ashling's parents, to uh, Amy and Cahill, her siblings. Uh, nothing but uh, sympathy and condolences again on the tragedy. Uh, uh, Ashling, people are saying she'll rest in peace. There was never any doubt of that because of the life she led. If that's if that's uh, that's the way it would be, uh, she would rest in peace. But she should she rests in peace way too soon, way too soon because of the actions of this evil man Joseph Pushka, who and reminder to everybody, you attack someone in this country more than likely you will be caught you won't get away with murder you won't get away with murder we'll finish with 17 seconds of Ashling Murphy uh, on the fiddle in this uh, piece playing music and then we'll have with your permission about 10 seconds of silence in memory of Ashling and indeed all the women uh, and this, this is what we're thinking of today who've been uh, murdered in this country uh, God rest Ashling Murphy may her memory be a blessing
0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.